Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me, if you would, tonight to James, the fifth chapter. We're still talking about prayer. Revival praying, and we're talking about the miraculous. It's Miracle Night, so that's a theme as well. And I want you to to look at James chapter 5. In verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. You know, we have a responsibility to pray for ourselves. Some people want somebody else to do all their praying for them. Those people never walk in continuous victory. Amen. Some people want other people to pray because they just don't, they want, they don't want to make the effort to pray. Other people are always seeking somebody else to pray for them because they don't have confidence in their own prayers. They believe if they could get somebody else that has a closer walk with the Lord than they do to pray for them, then the Lord would hear that other person and, uh, and move because that other person prayed. But you know, not one of us has a greater standing before God than another. Not a one of us has a greater authority in the spirit than another. Not a one of us has a greater uh, position by which to approach God than anybody else. Amen. We've all been seated together in, in, in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. We've all, if you've been born again, you're equal. Amen. To everybody else, you have the same rights, the same privileges in prayer. God will hear one as quick as he'll hear another. And, he'll all, and that is quickly, all of us. Amen. So develop confidence in your own praying. You're never going to develop confidence in your own praying if you don't pray. If you're constantly looking for somebody else to pray for you all the time, you're never going to develop confidence in your own prayer. Do your own praying. Now the Bible talks about, we're going to talk tonight about praying for one another. But praying for one another is not a substitute for you not praying for you, or or a substitute for you praying for yourself. Amen. He said, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Take responsibility. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now he's already said, if anyone is suffering, let him pray. But then he said, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. This implies that this person is too sick to be in church. Because he's going to call for the elders, which are the pastors. He's going to call for the pastors, the elders of the church, to come and pray for him. So this indicates that he's, he's not in church. So this is not somebody with, with a minor ailment. Now some people stay out of church, you know, for any little thing. And again, those people never walk in victory. 
You know, one character, remember when I did the talked about the characteristics of people in revival? One of the characteristics of someone in, in revival is, is they are all about the local church. Yeah. I mean, they're involved. They, they believe in the local church. They participate. And, and that means active participate. They're not looking for, for uh, reasons to stay out of church. They're looking for opportunities to be in church more. A person who's in revival is interested in being in church. Amen. Amen. But this is talking about someone, obviously, who cannot come to church because he, if he was at church, he wouldn't have to call on the elders. He said, is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick or heal the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now notice he's talking about a healing need again. Only now he's, he's approaching the healing need in a different way. First of all, he says, if you're suffering, well, that would be in any way. That would include physical suffering. Let him pray. Then he talks about, well, uh, you know, you can call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and there are times when, when uh, if that's necessary, that's a provision. But then he talks about another uh, situation where healing is, is needed. He says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, who is a righteous man? It goes on to give Elijah as an example. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. If you, if you study the Bible and study the story of Elijah, you'll see that he was just as inconsistent as, as anybody. He had his good days. He prayed fire down from heaven. I mean, it, that, that was a good day. That was a strong day. But right after that, he ran from a little old woman. Ran from Jezebel. Hiding under a tree somewhere. Oh God, just kill me. So, uh, yeah, if he really wanted to die, he could have just stayed where he was. Jezebel would have answered that prayer already. <laughs> so what I'm saying is he was a person like the rest of us. He had his good days and his bad days. He had his high points and he had his low points. And he prayed earnestly. Everybody say earnestly. Is there a value to, to earnest praying? Is there, is there any value in fervency? It says the effective fervent prayer. <clears throat> he prayed earnestly or fervently that it would not rain. It did not, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Now Elijah, even though he had human faults, even, that, even though he had a human nature like ours, says that. He was a man with a nature like ours. Even though he was just a man with his 
high days and his low days, God responded to his earnest prayer. Well, how much more for us who have, been, who have become the righteousness of God in Christ? Elijah couldn't make that claim. Amen. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. The Bible says the Lord's eyes are, are open and his ears are attentive to the prayers of the righteous. Amen. So he says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified Translation says, the effective, heartfelt, continued, somebody read it to me. Can you, can you read the Amplified? I don't have it written down here in my Bible. Who, who does that? The continued, earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Now, he said that right after he said, pray for one another that you may be healed. People, there, there are a lot of different ways uh, that God has provided. He has, let me say it this way. God has provided healing uh, different ways. He has, he has made different provisions because he wants people to be healed. Not everybody is going to be healed the same way. Everybody could be healed the same way, but we're all with people of, of, of a nature like, like Elijah's. We're, we're, we're natural men. We're, spirit, we're supernatural on the inside, but, but, but we live in a natural body. Amen. And we're not perfect. Uh, in, in that sense. So God knows that and he has provided a means whereby everybody can experience his healing power. Now this is miracle night. I'll say the same thing about any, any kind of a need of, uh, of a miracle in your life. God has provided different ways for that to happen. Amen. One way is through the prayer of faith. He said the prayer of faith will heal the sick. He, he's also provided the laying on of hands, the anointing with oil. He's also uh, provided corporate prayer, praying for one another that you might be healed. I, I remember a number of years ago, uh, after I had graduated from Rama, not too long uh, after I had left Bible school, I remember uh, Dad Hagen giving a testimony about uh, a woman that had been healed at the, the healing school. Prayer, back then it was called prayer and healing school. Now it's, there's two different schools. But uh, back in those days they had them, those two uh, uh, topics combined and it was called prayer and healing school. And a woman came that was in desperate need of healing. And he said that the Lord reminded him of this scripture. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And so uh, without laying hands on her or doing, uh, or, and, and laying hands on people, you know, is scriptural. Brother Hagen has a, had a ministry of laying on of hands. Uh, we all can lay hands on the sick, but then some people have received a special endowment 
for the laying on of hands and Brother Hagin had that. Jesus appeared to him, put the finger of his right hand in the palm of each one of Brother Hagin's hands and says, I've given you a special anointing to minister to the sick. So he had that ministry, but on this particular occasion, he was led to go differently. And this woman was, uh, was terminally ill. And so he had everybody that was in attendance there at the, uh, at the prayer and healing school. And I don't remember if he did this over several days or just one day, but he had everybody just, uh, just kneel there or bow right there in their seat. And they just took that one, that one lady and took her need before the Lord and began to pray for her. She was completely healed. Completely healed. And it was because the prayers of the righteous made tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. And so uh, I, I, I remembered that testimony. And then a few years later, we had a man in our church. And, and some, many of you will remember Brother Wally Redwine. Uh, he was a, a, a great uh, man, a wonderful brother, and a man of faith, but he uh, suffered a stroke, and he was in the hospital, and uh, the doctors had basically given him up to die. He had uh, the type of stroke that you don't, it was the type of stroke you don't recover from. It was a, a stroke that affected the, the brain stem, the, his brain stem had died, or at least a portion of it. And it was the part of his, of his brain that controlled uh, or regulated uh, uh, unconscious uh, uh, body functions like breathing and, and so forth. And, uh, and he would take a breath. He was laying up in the hospital. We went and visited him and prayed for him. And he would take one, of course, he was, you know, uh, unconscious. And he would take one breath and then and the, and you just wait. And you think, well, that was it. He's gone. And then he'd, I mean, he'd go on for, 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 for several moments, you know, just you'd think, surely he's dead. And then he'd go, <sighs> he'd breathe again. He'd breathe for a few minutes and then he'd find, <sighs> and you think, well, that's it. He didn't breathe anymore. No activity. You think, well, he's gone. Then all of a sudden he'd go, <gasps> he'd breathe again. Because that, that part of his brain that controlled his breathing wasn't functioning. And uh, they gave a, a name to it. They gave a name for this particular uh, scenario. Scenario, I think it was called chain stoking. And it was named after two different doctors. A Dr. Chang and a Dr. Stoke. Because they identified that particular. Jackie's shaking her head. Am I right, Jackie? They identified that particular uh, 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 situation and so they they uh, they said well you know you just don't recover from this and so he we went and prayed for him and uh, <clears throat> the uh, the medical team that was in intensive care there where he where he was at it was the weekend and so they all went home for the weekend and and so I, this, the spirit of God reminded me of what brother Hagen did back you know, a few years before that for that lady. And so I called the church together. I said, I tell you, and I, and I was led to do that. You, you see this, remember, we're talking about in prayer being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit of God instructed me. He said, call the church together and have a special prayer meeting for Brother Wally. Because he wasn't in a position to pray for himself. He was unconscious. He couldn't pray for himself. And left like it was, he was not going to survive. 
And so we got together. We gathered in the auditorium, and I think it was on a Saturday night. And it was either Friday or Saturday night, but we all, you know, the, the people who came, there was a, a, a nice turnout. And we just began to pray for Brother Wally. And we just pled his case before the Lord. Just, you know, just said, Lord, you know, he, he's, he's a man of faith and a, and, a, and a member of this church. And we need him. And he's important and his family needs him. And, and uh, uh, I forgot how old he was at the time. But, uh, you know, the Bible says that, that we have at least 70 or 80 years. And he wasn't, he wasn't 80, I know. And uh, we said, Lord, you know, it's just not time for him to die. And so we prayed for him and we made tremendous power available and uh, I think it was on Sunday, Sunday night, during the night, his son was sitting by his bedside, and, and all of a sudden, he just opened his eyes and started talking. And uh, he, was, he was completely normal. Well, when the, when the medical, you know, when the nursing staff and, you know, everybody on that floor, when they came in on Monday morning, they thought for sure, you know, that would be an empty bed or somebody else would be in it because he couldn't possibly survive, survive the weekend. And uh, he's sitting up in bed talking. And, and the doctors and the nurses and all, they were just, they were just stunned. How, how in the world did this happen? And uh, he just sat up, you know, he was completely well. And I think they discharged him in about two days. Do you remember that he, Huh? He went, to, he went to rehab. They discharged him and he went to rehab. He got out of rehab and on the way home from rehab, he stopped at Home Depot and bought a, a garage door opener and put it in his cart, rolled it up to the, to the uh, checkout counter, bought it, went home, got up on a ladder and installed that garage door opener. And the very day he came home from rehab, I would say tremendous power was made available. Amen. So this is talking about the church praying. There are a number of different ways for people to be healed and for people to receive their miracle. We stress very often the prayer of faith because we have like uh, this verse said, anyone suffering, let him pray. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And God, has, God wants us all to learn how to pray for our own needs. Amen. But he had in his grace and in his compassion, he has provided other means for people who might not be so strong in faith. They can get help from somebody else. But you know, we ought not live in, in, uh, in a perpetual need of somebody else's help. We need, to, we need to be moving toward being one of those who can stand for somebody else. Pray for them. And, and exercise our faith for others instead of being the one somebody has to help, you know. And, and it's not that anyone begrudges that. It's just not a way to, to, it's not, excuse me, it's not maturity. God wants us to grow up. Amen. And so thank God he's provided healing, you know, a lot of, a lot of different ways. Let's go over uh, with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 12. Verse number 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Well, that's true of 
the universal church, and I think that's the way people generally look at this, but you have to understand when Paul wrote this, the concept of the universal church was not, was not the primary concept of the church that people had. The, the, per, the concept that people had in the days of the New Testament, their concept of the church was the local church. The revelation of the unity of all believers was something that, that came over time. It was a truth they had, but, but it was further revelation. The immediate revelation, they, they thought of the church as their church. Are you out there? That's what the word church means. It means a literal assembly of people called together. So that's talking about the local assembly. So when people think of the thought of the church, in the days of the early church, they thought of the local church first. They thought of the, of the universal church as a secondary consideration, not the primary. And he says, you are the body of Christ and members individually. We're, in this local church, we're a local body. We're a local body. We're, a, we're, an, we're an individual church body. You know, God recognizes this church as a specific church. If you look in, in, in the Bible, you'll see in the New Testament, you'll see references to individual churches. John wrote a letter that Jesus gave John a message to seven individual churches. Write this letter to the church at Ephesus. Write this letter to the church at, at, at uh, Samaritan and, and, and so forth. Paul talked about in writing, he said to, to, uh, to the Romans, the churches of Asia greet you. Churches, plural. So God knows all of our, all the different churches. He knows us by name. He recognizes us as a, as a, a distinct entity, a distinct body. And as such, we're members of one another. You understand that? We're members of one another. We're joined to Christ, but we're also, God joins believers in a local church. And we're members of one another. Amen. Now look at verse 26. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Well, that couldn't be even referring to the universal church. It couldn't be. So it has to be referring to the local church. If one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We have a responsibility and the privilege of praying for one another. And like I've said so many times, the prayer of faith isn't, isn't the only prayer that brings deliverance. We focus on the prayer of faith because, again, God expects us to mature and to grow up and to find out what belongs to us and find out how to pray our own, our, do our own praying and receive from God uh, because he promised us certain things and did certain things for us and we can take him at his word. He wants us to grow up that way. But if the prayer of faith was the only prayer that was necessary, we wouldn't have these other kinds of prayers. The prayer of faith will not work in every situation. Prayer of faith will not work in every situation. What do I mean by that? The prayer of faith is, is primarily uh, a prayer you pray for yourself. The prayer of faith is designed for you to pray for yourself, for your own need. That's what it's designed 
whatever things you desire when you pray, Mark 11, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that he receives, no. Believe they receive, no. Believe you receive. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. The prayer of faith is designed for you to pray for yourself. Now, when someone is a, a truly a, a new Christian, a bona fide baby Christian, you know, when people are born again, they're not born again full grown, they're born again spiritual babies. And when someone is a bona fide baby Christian, they haven't had opportunity, they haven't been a, a, a Christian long enough to have learned uh, how to pray for themselves. They haven't learned the things that belong to them. In a, in, a, in a case of a bona fide baby Christian, you can sometimes pray for them and carry them on your faith because they don't know any better. But when a person has been saved long enough to have matured and grown, even if they're still, you know, spiritual growth isn't automatic. It isn't, it isn't automatic. A lot of people have been saved for 45 years and they haven't grown hardly at all. They're still baby Christians. If you don't believe it, you just cross them. I talked to this pastor on the phone one time. I had a situation when I was an RMAI director. Something had come up at one of, at one of our youth camps. And I called this pastor on the phone and he had a big church, what we would call a mega church, big church. And, uh, and I called him up on the phone and I had to discuss the situation about one of, his, one of his teenagers in his youth group that had caused a lot of trouble at camp. And, uh, and you know me, I'm not, a, I'm not a mean guy, you know, I'm not aggressive, you know, when I talked. I just said, listen, we had a problem and, and I just needed to talk to you about it and, and you need to uh, be aware. He got so mad at me. I mean, he blew up at me. Yeah, just, I'm thinking, oh my Lord, here's a pastor of this big old church. He's a big old baby. I mean, a big old baby Christian. He got so mad at me. He said, I will tell you one thing. He said, that job as RMAI director, I could have had that job if I wanted it. You were second choice. I turned it down is the only reason you had that job. I thought, dear Lord, what in the world have I, who am I talking to here? So, I mean, just because you, you uh, 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 have been saved a long time, that doesn't mean you're mature. And the gifts and callings of God don't have anything to do with maturity. Amen. You can be a pastor or an evangelist or a prophet and still be a baby. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Don't examine that too much. <laughs> but if someone is a baby Christian but they've been saved long enough that they should have grown and matured you'll find out that your prayer of faith won't work for them that's the truth you can't pray the prayer of faith for a baby Christian who has had opportunity and just flat will not learn how to, to take care of themselves and just always looking for somebody else. They don't do well. That doesn't work. It's not designed to work that way. But there are other ways to pray for them. 
said the prayer of faith won't work for them, but there are other ways to help them. This, this verse in, that we were reading over in, in uh, James gives uh, an illustration of that. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Thank God we can pray for one another. We ought to pray for one another. Go with me over, if you would, go to uh, uh, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. You know, we have this little clock up here on the podium. It doesn't do a bit of good if you don't look at it when you start. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So anybody know how long I've been going? Do you know, Angela? I'm sure you looked at your watch when I started. You did, didn't you? Did you look at your watch? Come on now. You're in church. She says 25 minutes. Do I hear 15? (laughs) Galatians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Uh, You know, when it comes to prayer, let me back up here a minute. Because this is something we need to think about. People uh, think that prayer is a, the reason people don't pray more, I'm sure, is like I said, people, a lot of times people don't have confidence in their own praying, but people have the idea that prayer takes a long time. If you're going to be a person of prayer, God is just going to dominate your life and you're never going to have time to do anything. You know, you're just going to be, you know, you're just going to have to pray all the time. And I don't have that. I don't have, most people don't want to commit, you know, their whole lives to pray so they won't pray five minutes. That's, that's not the way it is. Amen. The reason, the reason uh, people are that way is they don't understand their rights and privileges in Christ. And they don't understand the realm of the Spirit. If you understand getting over in the Spirit, it does take a few minutes to get into the Spirit. But the more often you do it, the quicker it becomes. You, you've noticed, those of you that come to prayer on Monday night, have you noticed that? That the longer you've come to prayer, the easier it is to get into the spirit of prayer. And you know, when you get over into that realm, you don't want to stop. Isn't that right? You're glad that you've set aside this hour. That you've set aside, set aside this hour, and this hour is for prayer. And, and you're not looking for it to end. To end. Amen. Well, anyway, praise the Lord. Let's look at uh, Galatians uh, 6 again. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The word bear there means to lift with the idea of removing. Lift with the idea of removing. We are to bear one another's burdens. Now, he goes on to say, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Now this sounds contradictory. One verse it says to bear one another's burdens and the next verse, verse 5 says he shall bear, each one shall bear his own load. That's telling us that we have a responsibility to grow up. But we also have a responsibility to be mindful of those 
who haven't grown as much as they should have and have compassion on them and, and bear their burdens. We are, we are a body and he said if one member suffers, all the member suffers with it. If one member is honored or blessed, then all the members rejoice with it. We're members of one another and we are to pray for one another. Go with me over to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15. Hallelujah. Everybody wants the pastor to pray for them. But it said pray for one another. Amen. In Romans 15, uh, well, if you go back to the 14th chapter of Romans, you'll find out that Paul was dealing with the issue of Christian scruples. Uh, some people had uh, a weakness in their, in their faith when it came to certain kinds of foods because certain kinds of foods, had they felt like these foods, had uh, the meat had been slaughtered and the food had been offered and the blood had been offered or whatever had been offered to idols in the, in the idol temples. If they went into the marketplace to buy food, they were concerned, well, I don't want to buy this food. I don't want to eat this meat because it might have been offered to a, a, a false god, you know, an idol in one of the uh, pagan temples. And they, they felt condemned over that. Well, Paul wrote to them and said, really, that, you know, these temples are not temples of God and these idols aren't gods. They're nothing. They're just, they're just, they're just sticks and, and, and stone and wood. He said they, they, they're not anything. The food that's offered to those idols, it doesn't, have any, it doesn't contaminate the food because it's not offered to a God. They just say it's a God. I mean, you could offer your food up to your fork on your plate. Well, would that make that a sacrifice to a God? No. So he said, you shouldn't be. He said, when you go to the marketplace, don't ask. Don't ask whether this food was offered to an idol or not. Just don't ask. Just eat it. But he said, on the other hand, if I know someone struggles and would be offended if they saw me eating meat that came from a certain place because of their scruple, he said, in order to not hurt them, I'll just not eat it. Not because I regard the, the idol as anything, but because I regard my love for this person. I regard them. See, that's walking in love. So he said in verse uh, chapter 15, verse 10, so then we who are strong ought to, ought, to, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. I think the older King James says the infirmities of the weak. Again, that word infirmity just, mean weakness, just means a weakness. But it's a little awkward to say, bear with the weaknesses of the weak. That's literally the way it reads. But in this instance, the weakness is not a physical weakness. It's not the weakness that we discussed this morning of, of not knowing what to pray about. It's the weakness of weak scruples, having a weak conscience. He said, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Well, praise the Lord. We, we need to pray for people who struggle with things. I said we need to pray with people, 
and pray for people who struggle with things. Because not everybody is as strong as someone else. Not everyone is as robust in their faith as the next person. Not everybody has the same revelation. Not everyone has the same understanding, the same liberty that that comes from understanding the Word of God that the next person has. And we need to be considerate of those people and pray for them. And that's really what Paul was advising and what he was practicing when he wrote the the letters to the Ephesians and to the Philippians and the Colossians and he prayed those prayers for the church. Turn over there to Ephesians. Ephesians, the first chapter. He's praying that, that, that people would have more understanding of the word of God. He says in verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. You know, that's the best way to pray for somebody. We ought ought not criticize weak members. I said we ought not criticize weak members. Members who struggle. We ought to pray for them. Amen. Not criticize them, not throw them out because they don't understand as much as somebody. No, pray for them. Amen. This is, this is how to care for one another. This is how to love one another is to pray for one another. He said uh, in verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe and it's according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named not only in this age but also in the age to come and he has put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now you think if a person really had the full revelation of that would they be messing around with food? Be concerned about food you know from a, from a pagan temple? They wouldn't give that a second thought if they had the revelation of this. What belongs to them? What's been done for them in Christ? That is the answer. A lot of times people come to the the pastor or to somebody else looking for a quick fix. They've got problems in life and they want a quick fix. They They want the pastor to just give them, just, you know, reach up somewhere in heaven and just get them a, 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 a gem of truth, you know, that's just magical, that's just for them, that just will, ta-da, you know, just set everything right in their life. And, and that's not the way it happens. There, there, isn't, there isn't any quick fixes. There is a fix, but it's right here in the New Testament. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling. Know it. Understand it. 
the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I mean, you can't even read this without almost running around the room. That's the answer. Well, uh, that's the way to pray for people. That's their answer. That's their answer. It's it's not going, you're not going to solve, I'm not going to solve your problem in a five-minute counseling session. I mean, you know, uh, unless it's so elementary that you need somebody to knock you in the head, you know. Hey, dummy. It's not going to happen. That's why I don't do a lot of counseling. I counsel right here. I'm counseling right now. I'm doing pastoral counseling right now. This is how it's conducted. And people want to stay away when the counseling's going on and then call Pastor Angela, call me, you know, on, you know at 10 o'clock at night wanting a special session. They, they want a private meeting over the phone for me to, to, to give them the answer that they already gave them Sunday night, but they weren't there. Amen. I'm not talking about uh, people that are in crisis. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the, the, the reality. I'm just being real with you. If you want to go on with God and be successful, you have to pursue the things of God. There isn't any, any God's not offering any $3 sales. He's not offering a weekend special for you. Amen. He's offering you everything he has. And it's totally free all the time, but you have to come and eat. You can't stay home, stay away, stay in front of the television, stay on Facebook five hours, 15 hours, 24 hours a day, whatever it is. That's not where, that's not where you're going to get your, 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 your spiritual strength. You're not going to grow that way. You're not going to have success in life. You're not going to have the answer. You're going to have the answers by coming to church when the food is prepared and taking it home and feeding on it all week long, praise God. Amen. Putting it into practice. It's running your references, going over what Pastor talked about on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, here, next door, in class, wherever it is, taking those things home and feeding on them and putting them into practice in your life. That's God's fix. That's His way. Hallelujah. But, you know, uh, people are not there. And so God has provided a way for us to pray for them. And this is, the, this is the most fundamental, is pray that they'll get a hold of the truth. There's some other prayers that are very similar to this. Turn over to Philippians. Verse, chapter 1, verse 9. And I pray this, that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and in all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In, in an earlier, some of my earlier, uh, or my older Bibles, I had some of these other translations of verse number 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent. Uh, some of the translations are, Muffet. 
Yeah, have a, one, because it's kind of an awkward reading there. The Moffat translation says that you may have a sense of what is vital. What's another? Philip's translation, this is one I like the best. That you may recognize the highest and the best. See, God wants us to have discernment. Recognizing the highest and the best way in any situation. What is God's highest? What is God's best? What, 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 is, what is really important whenever we're confronted with issues in life? What, 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 is, what does God really want? He wants us to have that kind of wisdom. He, this is the way you pray for people. Then over in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians, and this is real good, Colossians chapter 1, for this reason, this again in verse 9, we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom wisdom and spiritual understanding do you know that is available that you can be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding glory to God would that solve some problems yeah yeah that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. This is how you pray for one another. When people have needs, it's the church's responsibility to pray. We, we should pray for one another, but pray this way. Don't pray, Lord bless John. He's going through a hard time. Lord bless him. It's not always even best to... to, Sometimes I hear people say this. I hear people say someone will have a a situation that they're facing. And I'll I'll hear people say sometimes, well, I'm just going to believe God that such and such is going to happen for you. I'm just going to believe God that, that... uh, uh, you know, this or that is just going to work out in a particular way. I'm just going to believe, God, this is going to happen. A lot of times I think, I don't believe that. If that person's not believing it, you can't just, we have the idea that because we're strong in faith, we can, I'll ju- I'm just going to believe, God, that, that when you go in to work, you know, that, that your boss is going to have a completely different opinion of you and this is going to happen, that's going to Yeah, but what do you believe? It's not my place to believe that for you. It's not effective. It makes me feel good. Ooh, look at me. I'm going to believe God that, woo, I'm Superman. I'm just going to believe God. A lot of that's wasted energy. Yeah, I'm going to believe God's going to do such. Yeah, but what, what do they believe? Do they believe that? Most of the time, not. They, they just wanted you to come up with something that sounded good. They'll go, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But they're not in faith for it. 
If they had been, they'd have already prayed it. Amen. I want to find out what you're going to believe. What can you believe about that job situation? What can you believe about that uh, whatever issue that's going on? You know, what can you believe? What are, what, where is your faith? Find, give me some place that I can, can agree with you. Because it's your need. It's your, you're going to have to exercise your faith. Amen. And, and, then, and then the other kind of just praying for people that they'll grow in their knowledge and their understanding of the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, let's close here. I'm, I'm endeavoring to, to not go so long. How long did I go, Peggy? She knows. She's acting like she doesn't know. She knows. Between 45 and 50 minutes? No way. It's been 20 minutes since I talked to you a while ago. Wow. Those who observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I'm going to say that the clock is a lying vanity. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. We're learning to pray. Revival praying requires all kinds of praying. Amen. And in order for the church to stay in revival, we have to be, I've said all that to say this, we have to be considerate of those who aren't there yet. Praying for them. Amen. These are scriptural ways to pray. You pray what the Bible says. Remember on Monday nights, I always tell people, now the clock's not running, I stopped it. I'm off the clock now. (laughs) On Monday nights, I tell people, pray with your understanding as far as you know and then pray in the Spirit. Well, praying with you, we ought to know how to pray with our understanding. Scripture has told us, given us some parameters, some, some, some models to pray for people in a lot of situations. So whenever there are people in the church that, that aren't, uh, being impacted by revival. They're just not catching it. They're just, you know, going through the motions. Pray these prayers for them because we want them to catch on. Then the prayer of, uh, of uh, these deeper kinds of prayers can take over. This, is a, this can be a form of supplication. Pray it earnestly for them. And then let the Holy Spirit lead you. Amen. Because we, won't, we don't want... We, we want to leave no one, we want no one left behind. Isn't that one of the political themes, you know, no one left behind? We don't want to see anybody left behind. I'm not talking about when Jesus comes back. I'm talking about we don't want to see anybody, we don't want that either. But we don't want to see anybody left behind in revival. Amen. We don't want to see anybody left out. Glory to God. It's too valuable. We need one another. We need other people. We need this whole body on fire. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's stand. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.